Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Let me start reading. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. And so she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. And Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, what, uh, who does the young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And she came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in any other field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you've left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. And she ate all she wanted and had some left over. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She gathered it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. And Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. And her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you clean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. If the first five verses of the first chapter of Ruth were about famine, and if the rest of chapter one was about returning to God, 
then we can pretty confidently say that chapter 2 of Ruth is about kindness. It's about kindness. All kinds of people being kind to one another. Uh, it's a little bit countercultural to the world we live in, right? Where everyone is thinking about themselves first and foremost. We want to look at these three people. We want to look at, uh, at Ruth. We want to look at, at Boaz. And we want to ultimately look at this, this new character that's been introduced, uh, who I'll introduce you to at the, at the end of the story. Uh, Ruth is showing kindness, is she not? So here comes Ruth, a Moabitess, back with her mother-in-law, uh, which we're still, our minds are still blown by her decision to do this, right? And she comes back to this new land, with her mother-in-law, and they, they somehow they found a house. Maybe, the, maybe Elimelech's old house was still there for them, but somehow they found a place to live. And Ruth says to her mother-in-law, I'm going to go find us food. Now, can you imagine this? Right? Like, not let's go find food. Like, you stay here. I'm going to go find us food. And this kindness, isn't it? See, the kindness that Ruth is instituting here is a kindness of provision. Uh, and, and maybe we should pause and just say this. We'll see it throughout this whole chapter. Uh, kindness is not an emotion. Uh, it's, it's sort of a disposition, but not just a disposition. Kindness only exists in action. Right? You can be happy in an emotion, but that doesn't mean you're kind. Right? You can uh, care about someone sort of in your mind, heart, hope they do well, but that doesn't necessarily make you kind. kind kindness acts uh, in, in biblical language. And so when kindness shows up, there's always someone acting on someone else. And, and so here's Ruth acting on behalf of Naomi uh, to seek out provision, acting in kindness. You stay here. I'm going to go find us food. Now, we said before that in that culture as a woman, let alone as a widow, let alone as a Gentile, there's no real legal protection for these kinds of people. And so where is she going to go find food? There, you don't, you know, she wasn't going to Giant or to, to um, Wegmans or wherever it is that you go shop for food. She didn't just scrounge together some money and go buy it. Like she, she was going to have to do something to make this happen. Uh, and so she says she goes to find someone's field to glean in. Uh, now, gleaning was a provision that actually did exist uh, for people like Ruth in the Old Testament law. And God had provided for people in this way. He had instituted laws in society so that uh, people who were widows or foreigners uh, or fatherless or uh, oppressed, orphaned, would uh, have some legal standing to go into privately owned fields and glean grain. Uh, now, this is what it looked like. So in Leviticus 19, which I don't have to read because you all have it memorized, <laughs> Leviticus 19, this is, this is one of the, the laws that God institutes for his people. Now he's going through all these laws like don't serve any other God. And then right in the midst of all of this, he says, and by the way, don't harvest the corners of your property. Let that, let that for the widows and the foreigners. So like you planted and sowed this whole field and you go reap everything in the middle, but let the boundaries stay. Now, there's all kinds of theological implications of corners uh, that, we'll, that we could get into, but I don't have time to get into it today. Um, but corners are always the way that, that God is providing for these kind of people, so I have to get into it a little bit. I apologize. 
We chase, there's, there's a good carrot at the end of this bunny trail. Jesus, remember Jesus when he is, there, all the people are around him and, uh, and there's the woman who had been bleeding for seven years. You remember this story in the Gospels? And it says she doesn't really, she didn't have necessarily the courage to like call out for help. She just runs up to him and tugs on his garment. What does she tug on? Corner, right? It said very specifically out of the corner of the garment and she's instantly healed. Remember Jesus has this moment like, what happened here? Like healing power went out of me and who's like, there's a whole crowd of people and the disciples are going, you're nuts because everyone's all pushing around you. And Jesus is like, no, I did. someone was just, of course he knew who it was in the whole story, but, he's, but the faith of her to go for the corner, right? And there's all kinds of more things. So God is always providing for the people in the, the corner, the, the kanaf, the Hebrew word. And so the, the people are instructed to do this. And so if you were a widow or a foreigner and you were in need of food, you could go to the edges of someone's property and glean from there. Take what was left over is sort of what glean means. Also, what you were allowed to do, and Deuteronomy 24 talks about this, is if, people, if, if the harvesters accidentally left stuff, they were instructed not to go back for it. Uh, so... Uh, even in Deuteronomy 24 it says even if you leave a whole sheave like a whole big bundle of what you've harvested and you realize it's still out there you don't go back for it leave it for, the, leave it for the widows or the foreigners and so this is the, the sort of framework that Ruth is, is playing into the, she gets the corners and whatever just happens to be dropped along the way or left behind but what we see her doing if we read into the whole story is she's fully entering into this right we don't necessarily see her at the corners because where she is, the full entourage of Boaz is fully acquainted with her. And the gleaning would usually happen at the end of the day. So you let the harvesters do all of their work and then the gleaners would come in and see what was left over. We find in the story that uh, the, the chief foreman of Boaz's crew says she's been here since the morning. Right? She's after this stuff. Chasing favor or kindness in pursuit of kindness towards Naomi, uh, kindness of provision, of caring for someone else. I wonder, have our lives ever been disposed towards caring for someone else in this kind of way? Early in the morning, you stay here, let me go take care of it. Then there's Boaz. We finally meet Boaz, right? And if you're familiar with the story, uh, you knew Boaz was coming. We meet Boaz, and Boaz asserts all kinds of kindness towards Ruth in the story, doesn't he? He finds her, uh, he's already, we see, he already knows who she is, not necessarily by appearance, because he asked who she is, but when they tell him, oh, it's the Moabites who came back with Naomi, he knows about her. He knows everything she's done for Naomi. Uh, but the kindness of Boaz even goes a little bit farther. Right? So the kindness of, of Boaz is not just provision, we'll talk about that in a second, it's also protection. Isn't it? Do you hear what Boaz says to Ruth? Listen. Trust me on this one, Ruth. Don't go to any other fields. We know the condition of Bethlehem, right? We've talked about that. This is happening in the time of the judges. We talked about Judges chapter 19, what happened in Bethlehem, that that horrible story. We know that there's the cyclical thing. Boaz knows the people in the area, and he says to her, trust me on this one. Don't go anywhere else. In fact, stay here, and I'll protect you. And then he says this interesting thing. I've told my, my young men not to lay a hand on you. We talked about the, the, the non-existence of laws to protect people. 
there was laws to protect women in those days against rape, forcible rape from men. Um, but the farther away you got from being a Jewish married woman, the lesser those laws really were um, completely rigorously uh, made known and enforced. And so what Boaz is basically saying to her is that her full protection exists in his fields. If she was to go to another field, who's to say a man there might not force himself upon her and have his way with her? Who's to say she may not be beaten up as a trespasser? Because we know that even the laws that exist, the people of Israel weren't fully following. That's what got them into famine and difficulty in the days of the judges to begin with. So Boaz is saying to her, kindness means protection. He's caring for her. But he's providing for her too, isn't he? Because he's providing for her in an unbelievable way. And this story is just so remarkable. She comes to get what she can. And then he starts doing all these crazy things like, hey, don't only get what you can today, but you should come back here every day. And so the full harvest, there's barley harvest going on now, and the wheat harvest would follow. It takes seven to eight weeks. So basically, he's giving her daily food for seven to eight weeks, saying, you never have to think about it again. Just keep coming here. In fact, stick with, my, with the women on my field. And you just follow them, and they'll, they'll take you everywhere you need to go. And then, oh, by the way, why don't you pause for a minute? We're all going to eat together, and I'm inviting you to come eat a meal with them. This is remarkable. We know about meals in that day. To be invited for a meal meant you were in, right? That you were in the clan. And so Boaz, the first day of meeting her, a foreigner, right, invites her into the company of family into this meal. She gets a hot meal. She thought she was just going to work for grain to take home to Naomi. She gets a full meal. And not just, you know, a couple bits and bites. It's that she ate till she was full and she had leftovers. And here's something about the kindness of Ruth again. She doesn't hide the leftovers for tomorrow. She takes them home and gives them to Naomi. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. And then, Boaz says to Naomi, or to, to Naomi, Boaz says to Ruth, uh, and to his workers about Ruth, hey, listen, um, I want you to take care of this woman. Now, you remember playing games uh, with your kids when they were young? You know, even adult-type games. So you play... Tyler uh, has taken an interest in chess, which I know nothing about, but we were at my parents' house yesterday, and uh, news came from downstairs that Tyler had defeated Rachel in chess. Now, it may be true, but I'm thinking... You know, sometimes when you're, when you're playing with your kids, you know, you play it even for a while and then you let them win, right? Uh, maybe you're a little bit more of a, uh, a need to win and so you play it even all the way to the end and then you just assert yourself and win at the end. I don't know how you, how you are in those situations, but you know what it is to bring joy to your children, to sort of play down to them and to let them enjoy that. So Boaz is sort of having this kind of moment with his workers towards Ruth. Hey, the law say she, says she can <clears throat> harvest at the edges, and the law also says that she can pick up whatever we drop, and the law also says if we leave whole sheaves, she, she's welcome to it. So, start leaving stuff behind on purpose, and pretend like you did it by accident. Right? Not only is he providing for her in material ways, but he's also providing for her pride, in essence, to say that he's not simply just handing stuff to her. She's actually going through it the opposite way, and working to achieve it for herself, but he's caring for this unbelievable kindness of Boaz. And so it says that even in just the first day that she's there, she takes home an ephah 
of grain, which would be 22 liters, five gallons of grain in one day, enough for weeks of bread making. This is the kind of provision and kindness that Boaz shines on a person he's meeting for the first time, Ruth. Can I just suggest to you as we pause for a moment in telling this story, this is the way the church is supposed to work. This is how the people of God are meant to interact with each other. This is what Acts chapter 2 looked like. When people had need, other people were meeting their needs, but people simply weren't just asking for handouts. They were involved in the community, and there was this cycle of providing and protecting each other. Kindness that was active and not just, hey, brother, I love you, praying for you. Right? We do, I do that. You know, and you should love and pray for people. But when we actually move into it, when we act on the kindness of God towards us, and show kindness towards others in protecting and providing for them. This is the way the people of God were intended to function. And here is a perfect illustration of it. Naomi is not out panhandling. Or Naomi, I keep saying Naomi. Ruth is not out panhandling, right? She's not out demanding people meet her needs. She's out desperate to do it, and she's also not just for herself. She's trying to do it for other people. And in the midst of that, she's receiving kindness from the people of God. This is the way it's supposed to work. What if the church was known as a community of kindness? Kindness really doesn't exist in our world. We would stand out in remarkable ways. What if these stories were the stories that newspapers were writing about our church? And what if stories like this were stories that TV reporters were reporting about churches across the world? When this stuff happens, it catalyzes the gospel forward. Because it's real. You can taste it. You can hear it. You can touch it. You can smell it. It's not just some talking head from behind a pulpit rattling people's brains with it all the time, which we need. But a community of kindness. This is is part of the vision for the church that God has. Part of our vision for a church here. It's why we do things like the kids' fair, to just bless people. It's why we do things even like a movie night, to just bless people with free, uh, pure events where families can come and, and enjoy and taste and have a community of kindness. This is, this is the vision that God has for the church. Trust me on this. And so, how much is your life defined by kindness? Kindness, not happiness, right? We will, we've talked about happiness a lot. Happiness is fleeting. You will not always be happy, right? Things are going to happen that are going to make you sad. When you're sad, it is impossible to be happy. Joy is a universal reality when you allow Christ to fill you. You can be joyful when you're happy and joyful when you're sad. But happiness does not define kindness. So how will we act upon the joy that God has given us by showing kindness to the world. Your friends and your neighbors, would they define you? They probably know that you come to church. Would they define you as kind? That's an important question to ask. And not just kind because we're required to, because we signed up for this Christian thing, right? But kind because it actually is who we are. Imagine that. This is what's happening here with Boaz. I mean, he's not just, oh, shoot. The law says i got to leave the corners for Ruth. 
darn it, I really would love to have those corners. You know, we don't know what, what, the, what, what the winter season is going to be like. I'd like to harvest as much as I could. No, he's not being that way, is he? Oh, man, I've got to, the law says I've got to let her have extras. But he's saying to his people, drop more. Drop it on purpose. Bless her. Don't rebuke her for taking whatever she wants. In fact, if she wants to come up and pull stuff from the bundles you're carrying, let her have it. Now imagine this to a worker. So these workers were paid workers, and part of how they were being paid was with grain and maybe a coin at the end of the day. So men would come through with scythes, and they would just chop real quick through the the wheat, and the women and the children, if they were old enough, would come behind and gather it into bundles. Now he's saying, this woman who didn't do any of that, after you've worked hard for that, if she wants that, you give it to her. That's a message that might not sit well with any of us if we really thought long and hard about it. I want to introduce you to the real hero of the book of Ruth, a character who we are beginning to meet more intentionally now, and that character is God himself. God himself. Most people look at the book of Ruth and say, Boaz is the hero, and you'll see why next week. Um, God is the hero of Ruth because he receives Ruth and Naomi back and he restores them and he provides for them. So if Ruth is, is showing kindness by provision and if Boaz is showing kindness by protection and provision, what we find in God is not just protection and provision but also providence. This is what makes him God. So Ruth happens into Boaz's field. This is how the story tells it, right? She says, I'm going to go and I'm going to find a field where I can glean in. And I'm going to pray that someone shows me favor. And she just happens into a field. Now, perhaps you've flown in an airplane over the Midwest and you see these nice geometrically shaped fields. This is not how agricultural worked in the days of the book of Ruth. Uh, it was a strange maze of fields and it all nearly impossible to know where someone's property started and another one's began. And so they would sometimes stack small stacks of stones to determine it. But in the middle, in the, the beginning of harvest, when the wheat is growing up high, how well do you think you could see these piles of stones? And so here's Ruth setting off, not knowing who Boaz was, not seeking out his field, but finding herself in it. And we might talk about coincidence, but what God talks about is providence. That even in the midst of unknown situations, God is actually leading us to places. You look back in your life, has there been times when you've said coincidence when God has really been speaking providence? Now, there certainly is coincidences that happen in our life. Uh, We went to a basketball game this past Friday night, and seven rows in front of me was, was a family we haven't seen in years and we said hello and smiled and told a few stories about what... I'm not certain there was any God's providence in that. It probably was just coincidence. But maybe in a few years I'll look back and say, no, that was providence. What we're saying is that God has the freedom and the ability to work behind the scenes to accomplish His will, even when He doesn't make it known to us. Providence is not when we demand God does something and then He does it. Right? Providence is when God shows up and does something unbelievable, weaves a crazy behind-the-scenes mosaic, and then at the end of it, we stop and say, oh my goodness, God's been doing this this whole time. This is the story of Ruth. I mean, in this maze of fields, she finds Boaz. A poor widow finds a wealthy, kind man. Only by the providence of God. 
And in God, she finds protection. So, so Boaz offers her protection. Stay in my fields. Uh, I'll protect you. I've told my young men not to harm you. But what he says, if you caught it in the midst of that, is he says, what you've really found is you found refuge under the wings of God. Uh, a word, Hebrew word for wings, kanaf. Have we heard that word before? Corner? Same word? You found refuge in the corners of God. Boaz is saying, you might think that I'm protecting you, but ultimately, it's God. Have you ever moved through a difficult situation and maybe not even felt it through the situation, but looking back on it, you've seen that you have found refuge in the wings of God? And how unbelievable for Boaz to point to God in that moment and not say, hey, Ruth, look what I'm doing for you. Like, you're indebted to me for this. That the ultimate protection in our lives comes from God himself. And then what about provision? I mean, Boaz gave her unbelievable provision. But Naomi, of all people, bitter Naomi when she came back, her heart is changing. We told you this was going to happen. What does Naomi tell Ruth about this provision? I love this. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He's not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. He meaning God. Even though in many ways I felt dead towards him, he has not stopped showing his kindness towards me. That this provision from Boaz, while a physical, wonderful reality, is really instituted from God himself. You might say, God is kind. That's a weird thing. We think of kind people as sort of these fragile, gentle, card, note card writing people, you know? It's, yeah, God is kind. There's all kinds of talk about the kindness of God. In fact, Paul, when he writes to the Romans, says the only reason any of us have found God is because his kindness has led us to repentance. The active kindness of God has led us to repentance. What is your experience with the kindness of God? I mean, has your picture of God always been the guy upstairs who is making your life difficult down here? I hope that we can introduce to you in this next moment a God who is just the opposite. A God of providence who is, is desperately behind the scenes working things out so that you will find Him, so that you will embrace Him, so that you will find everything that you need in Him. Ruth is an example for us. Because Ruth pursues kindness. She's not only giving kindness to Naomi, she's actually pursuing kindness towards her. Now this is interesting uh, because we often think that the, the holy thing to do is to sit back and do no action and wait for God to knock our socks off with something. But here's Ruth, whose faith mobilizes her, who says, I'm going to find something and I'm going to seek out favor, is the word. She's in strong pursuit of favor. So much so that she's willing to work for it. She's not seeking pity. She's seeking favor. I wonder how many of us woke up this morning and sought the favor of God. 
sought out the kindness of God. Now listen, I'm not teaching another gospel. There are people out there, and I should pause and warn you about them, who would say to you that this, what we're talking about here, means that you should ask God for whatever you want, and he's obligated to give it to you, because he's a kind God. And this is what seeking God's favor means. You know, it's the old, don't just pray for a Cadillac, tell him what color you want. You know, I mean, this is, this is utter silliness. This is not the gospel. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about what some have called name it and claim it. God doesn't owe you anything. He's not obligated to give you anything. But He is a God who is full of kindness, who's willing to rain down on you all that you need for this day and for the ones to come. And all of that is the fullness of kindness. This doesn't mean the job that you're demanding He give you. It doesn't mean the specifics of the job that you're demanding He give you. It doesn't mean the specifics of the monetary amounts that you need. It doesn't mean the specifics of the car that you want or the fix that you want in a certain situation. But it does mean the generic yet specific kindness of God that He is so desperate to flow all over you. So don't mishear me when I say Ruth went for favor. Right? She didn't pray to God and demand you know, filet mignon. She said, God, I'm going to go glean the scraps from a field and I'm going to seek kindness. Now imagine. I wonder how many of us woke up this morning and sought the favor of God in an active pursuit. You might say, well, that's easy for Ruth. She went out on the first day, she got five gallons of grain. Do you remember what the last ten years of her life were like? She waited and went through some horrible, horrible circumstances. And yet, in faith, sought the favor of God and He met her in that moment. She was active and patient at the same time. All because her movement and disposition was oriented towards the God of the universe. That kindness is His name, and yet I, He is not obligated to give me what I ask of Him, but He will work behind the scenes in providence to make this all happen. This is the God I want you to know. This is the God I am knowing more and more every day. That even though He doesn't set things up exactly like I would want Him to each and every day, at the end of the day or the week or the month or the year, I look back and say He did it better. He did it greater. And the experience that He has moved me through has led me closer And that His kindness, once again, has led me to repentance. That all my pursuits of Him are oriented first and foremost in His kindness towards me. God is not looking to make your life miserable. He's looking to make your life full. 22 liters full. 5 gallons full. And you might ask, well, this is all silly because I live in really difficult circumstances. Well, Let me let you in on the allegory of Ruth. Uh, We have no reason to believe that Ruth is not a true story. I I have every reason, reason to believe that it is a true story. But also part of the story is for us to see a bigger picture of what's going on. And so Naomi very much represents Israel, the Jewish people, the people of God. And Ruth very much represents non Jewish people, Gentile people. And Boaz represents Christ Himself. And it's through Boaz that Ruth is welcomed into the people of God. And it's through Boaz that God rains down His provision and blessing and providence on Ruth. And so it is the same for us, is it not? 
It's through Jesus that the fullness of the kindness of God has been showered over all of us who would receive it. And so go back to the story of the kindness of Boaz on Ruth for a minute. And let's talk about the kindness of God through Jesus. Protection. Boaz says to Ruth, don't go to any other fields. It's dangerous out there. Stay here and I'll take care of you. What does Jesus say? I know my sheep. I know my sheep. They know my voice. They come to me when I call them. I won't let any of them go. I'll take care of them. I'll herd them together like a good shepherd. In the fields of Jesus, if we're gleaning there, there's protection. Spiritual protection. When we're off in other fields, that protection is not as prominent, right? Matter of fact, left to our own devices, we wander into temptation all of the time. If we would only glean in the fields of Jesus, the promise of protection fully exists. I've told my people not to rebuke you, not to lay a hand on you. Even though we glean in the fields of Jesus in a disposition of sin, when we're there, there's no rebuke, right? There's fullness of forgiveness through Christ. If you come into the fields of Jesus, and you fully embrace all that He has given you, all that God has given you through Him. Uh, Eternal life, full forgiveness of sins. It does not matter how you came there. It doesn't matter if you came there pulling the biggest U-Haul full of sinful past or if you came with just a suitcase of it. Now, none of you came with a suitcase, right? You all pulled big U-Hauls. But I just want you to know this, because some of you might be sitting here thinking, no, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know. I know the words of Jesus that says, no matter what, when you receive Christ, you receive the fullness of forgiveness. And so in the fields of Jesus, when you glean, there's no rebuke. And there's provision. Jesus doesn't just keep us to the corners or make us pick up what's dropped as He goes along. He lets us full on and pull from the sheaves and He's leaving things on purpose for us and we have all that we need when we follow Christ. So much so that Jesus, when He finds the people, thousands of them on a hillside, 5,000 men, many thousand more women and children, and they're hungry and the disciples want to get away and Jesus' heart is for the people, He multiplies bread doesn't he? For the people. And what kind of bread? Barley. Just like this harvest here in Ruth. Enough that all the people had as much as they want and there were leftovers. In the fields of Jesus, we can glean everything that we need and there's leftovers. Are you searching for peace? can I urge you with every bit of passion to glean in the fields of Jesus for peace? You won't find peace in this world. You'll find chaos and tumult. But in the fields of Jesus, you will find more peace than is enough for you. Are you searching for purpose? Don't search for purpose in this world. Don't search for purpose in your job and your talents and your abilities. Search, glean for purpose in the fields of Jesus where He calls you into a full divine calling of following Him, and you will be full in purpose, more than you need. Are you searching for healing? 
glean the fields of Jesus. Searching for joy, for acceptance. Don't mind the fields of relationships. I'm not telling you to avoid relationships. Relationships are good. What I'm telling you is that your spouse isn't going to make you feel good about you all of the time. Right? And that's also not her full job. Right? She's supposed to be glorifying God, not glorifying you. Or he's supposed to be glorifying God, not glorifying you. And don't search for self-esteem in the midst of relationships. Relationships are supposed to be a vehicle where we can show kindness and bless people, not receive Glean for that in the fields of Jesus because there's five gallons or more per day, right? There's all that you need is there. Everything that you need for the fullness of life now and to the end of the age. The full time of the harvest is available in the fields of Jesus. So why would we go anywhere else? But if you're like me, you're a wanderer. And we stumble into other fields. And so this morning, a simple call. Stick with his workers. Follow them closely. And glean wholly in the fields of Jesus, who is the embodiment of the kindness of God. If you're here this morning and this Jesus story is new to you, let me make it very simple. The Bible tells us that everyone in their life has not met the full standards of God. God is holy, and so one simple mistake in our lives means that we aren't where He is. Uh, If you're like me, you've made a mistake in the last several minutes. And so we're left with this difficult reality of separation from God. But we've already said that God is kind, and so He has not stopped pursuing. And what He has done is that through Jesus and His death on the cross and ultimately His resurrection... He has made a way to deal with any number of mistakes, sin, misgivings, whatever you want to call it, that has kept us or will keep us from God. And so the kindness of God poured out through Jesus has made a broad path for us to be in perfect harmony with God. And for us to glean every good thing that we need for this life. God is kind. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You that the law didn't obligate You to the cross. (laughs) You you weren't required. You weren't forced. It was kindness. That You could have said to us, sorry, You made bad choices, but but You've provided a way. You've... You've allowed us into the center of the field and You've told us, have whatever You need. So God, I pray for myself and for all my friends here. Spirit, keep us in that field. Let's be faithful gleaners from morning to night like Ruth so that we can be full. We are prone to wander, Lord. We feel it. We're asking you not to let us, Jesus, meet all of our needs and let us only look to you. We confess together that, Jesus, you and only you are mighty to save. 
And that God, we praise you for your providence, for your protection, and for your provision. In your name, amen.